बियॉन्ड टाइम भगवदगीता इज ए कोहेरेंट ब्लेंडिंग ऑफ टू लेवल्स एंड वी नीड टू बी एवेयर ऑफ दिस टू अंडरस्टैंड द गीता समटाइम्स कृष्णा कम्स एज ए फ्रेंड आर ए गाइड टू अर्जुन एक्सप्लेनिंग द डेली इश्यूज फेस्ड बाई ह्यूमन्स समटाइम्स ही कम्स एज परमात्मा सुपर सोल एंड इन दट स्टेट ही सेज दैट I gave this imperishable yoga to Vivasat which was handed down in succession to Rajrishis and its sight was lost with time Vivasat is translated as sun god which is a metaphor for light and Krishna is indicating that he was before the light it is accepted that this universe started with light and matter formed subsequently krishna refers to rajrishis who are nothing but enlightened ones at various points in time the sight of this knowledge was lost because over time it got relegated from an experiential level to ritualism less of practice and more of preaching taking the shape of religions and sects arjun questions as to how come krishna taught this to the son as his birth is recent krishna replies that we had many births and you are not aware of them whereas i am this question of arjun is very natural and logical at the human level at this level we are under the control of time to experience birth and death we don't have any clue about what was before birth and after death Krishna's reply is at the Paramatma level which is beyond time. Earlier Krishna had explained about Atma which is eternal and changes the physical bodies like how we discard worn out clothes. Whoever reaches that eternal state is beyond time. A flower doesn't know about its power to blossom. whereas this power was there before and will remain after the life of the flower next in the series is manifestation of maya manifestation of maya just as a rotating wheel needs a stationary or changeless axle to rotate the ever changing manifested physical world needs the calm and changeless unmanifested entity to sustain its existence arjun like us is at the level of the manifested human body and is worrying about the death of his relatives who are just manifested entities krishna 
the supreme lord presently in a manifested form explains why and how the unmanifested sometimes needs to take the manifested form he says i am unborn eternal and lord of beings presiding over my prakriti cosmic nature i embody myself by self evolved maya through maya which is but a thought the unmanifested manifests as does the parmatma the only difference being the level of consciousness desires and the degree of compassion krishna further says whenever there is decline of dharma and rise of adharma then i manifest myself for the protection of sadhu virtuous for the destruction of the dusht wicked and for the establishment of dharma i am born from age to age the masters often quote these verses to assure everyone that the parmatma is ne to protect the virtuous a simple literal meaning indicates that he would come to the earth as an avatar whenever dharma or righteousness is declining and adharma or evil are rising at a deeper level questions arise as to what is dharma and adharma who is a sadhu and who is a dusht what distinguishes them in the case of the sadhus and dusht their quality of saintliness or wickedness needs to be protected or destroyed rather than the individuals themselves similarly dharma and adharma can be taken to be the direction of travel towards that eternal state or away from it needing the help of the parmatma for course correction next in the series is i as inclusion i is inclusion in the gita both arjun and krishna use i and me but the meaning and context of usage are different arjun's i refers to his physical body possessions feelings and beliefs extending to his family friends and relatives our situation is no different to that of arjun essentially we consider some things to be exclusively ours and the remaining to be not when krishna uses i it is inclusive assimilating all including different polarities and contradictions 
that we perceive through our limited senses krishna continues in the same vein elsewhere where he says i am death as well as birth while krishna is the ocean we are but drops in the ocean with our own individuality which is ahankar when a drop sheds its illusion of individuality and unites with the ocean then it becomes the ocean krishna indicates this when he says that the realized come to him and will be free from the cycle of rebirth when they realize about my life and actions which are divine certainly realization means shedding of ahankar and the ability to accept contradictions krishna uses the word vit rag which is neither rag meaning attachment or virag meaning aversion but a third stage where rag and virag are treated as equal when one experiences them the same applies to bhai and krodh krishna uses another word gyan tapas tapas is nothing but a disciplined way of living and many of us practice it tapas done with agyan becomes an intense chase to seek sensory pleasures and material possessions krishna advises us to pursue gyan tapas which is aware disciplined living he says that sanctified by the asceticism of wisdom disengaged from attachment fear and anger engrossed and sheltered in me many beings have attained my nature next in the series is we reap what we sow we reap what we sow the physical entities are governed by predictable behaviors and properties krishna gives insight into the relationship between the all powerful unmanifested and manifested when he says in whatever way people are devoted to me in that measure i manifest myself to them all men in every manner pursue a path to me this is firstly an assurance from the lord that whatever path we pursue and however contradictory these paths may appear all of them are paths to the unmanifested parmatma secondly the lord responds like a multi dimensional mirror 
that reflects and resonates our feelings thoughts and actions thirdly when we sow a seed it takes time to attain its full potential of a tree and this time lag prevents us from fully understanding this principle of resonance of parmatma if we fill our lives with unconditional love and shraddha love and shraddha are inevitably returned in due course making our lives joyful if we sow anger fear hatred cruelty or jealousy then the same will be served back making our lives miserable there are countless examples of these and the point to be noted is that we miss the organic link between the two due to the time lag between the sowing and reaping this verse operates both at subtle and gross level while looking to realize our big dreams we should never lose sight of small wins that help us realize the supreme consciousness at the experiential level krishna further says that desiring success of their actions men adore the devatas as achievement accruing from an activity is readily attained devatas are nothing but glimpses of the parmatma we have to shed ahankar to realize parmatma but it takes time devatas are the halfway point in the journey towards realizing the parmatma while we are still shedding ahankar next in the series is falsehood thrives on truth falsehood thrives on truth the world as we know it consists of both truth and falsehood a careful examination would indicate that falsehood is nothing but a misinterpretation of the truth either due to our circumstances or due to limitation of our senses and mind in the well known rope and snake analogy the rope is the truth and the snake is the falsehood that doesn't exist without the rope but till this realization dawns all our thoughts and actions would be based on falsehood often times continuing for generations across society similarly if we consider any technology as the metaphorical truth its malefic use is falsehood a loudspeaker can be used to propagate good and also to 
instigate the gullible into violence similarly today's social media the metaphorical truth is falsehood when used malevolently an understanding of truth and falsehood is essential to understand krishna when he says i have created four varnas divisions based on differentiation of gunas and karmas but know me to be the non-doer and immutable krishna clearly says that such division is based on gunas but not a function of birth and further they are neither watertight compartments nor hierarchical the three gunas are present in all of us in different proportions and these give rise to the four broad divisions in terms of karma as we look around us we find that some people are knowledge and research oriented some into politics and administration some into agriculture and business and some are in service and jobs this division brings different flavors in the physical world like einstein alexander picasso and mother teresa like colors in the rainbow while the truth is that humans are of four types because of the gunas and karmas a falsehood was built that the division is hierarchical and is based on birth next in the series is liberated souls and their ways liberated souls and their ways krishna says that actions do not taint him nor does he have a longing for fruits of action he also says that whoever realizes him does not bound by actions this reinforces krishna's words that we have right over karmas but not over karma phal as parmatma even he follows the same krishna tells us that he is the non doer even though he created various divisions among humans hinting at the absence of kartapan which is sense of doership he further said that liberated souls in ancient times acted with this understanding of his transcendental nature he suggests that we perform our duty following their footsteps in the normal course of our lives we perform karmas to obtain karma phal 
however when we are told to drop karma phal we tend to drop karmas as well krishna here reveals a completely different paradigm for renunciation where he advises that we continue doing karmas but by dropping attachment to both karma phal and kartapan his advice to arjun to fight the war which is just another karma should be seen in this context it is a difficult task to consciously drop kartapan in our actions but all of us often act without kartapan when we are deeply involved in activities like dancing painting reading teaching gardening cooking sports and even surgery this state of mind has been called a state of flow in modern psychology the essence is to recognize such beautiful movements and to keep expanding them in all walks of life with the realization that the universe will resonate with our efforts life in itself is a joy and a miracle it doesn't need kartapan or karma phal to make it complete we attain liberation from bondage of action when we drop both kartapan and karma phal and become one with parmatma next in the series is karma akarma and vikarma karma akarma and vikarma acts of commission and omission is a phrase commonly used in the legal lexicon a driver failing to apply brakes at the appropriate moment has committed an act of omission resulting in an accident this act of omission or akarma or inaction leads to karma of accident similarly while performing any action we choose from many different options available to us when we exercise one of these options and act all other options become akarma for us leading to the conclusion that every karma has akarma hidden in it these examples help us to understand krishna's profound statement that the one who beholds karma in akarma and akarma in karma has attained the goal of all karmas krishna himself says that this issue is an intricate one and even the wise are confounded about the 
subtleties of karma and akarma he further says that the nature of karma is very difficult to know certainly in order to fully understand the nature of right or prescribed action one has to also understand the nature of vikarma which is forbidden action as well as akarma a contemplative person once observed an animal escaping into a forest moments later a butcher comes by and asks him if he had seen the animal the person is on the horns of a dilemma as the truth would result in the death of the animal while uttering a lie is immoral if we sum up all forbidden actions of all cultures and religions living would be impossible hence krishna indicates that these issues are intricate and even the wise get confused life presents us with many catch 22 situations with no easy answers in the material plane in which all of us live only when we transcend from karta to sakshi and live with choiceless awareness does clarity descend next in the series is drop both lust and resolve drop both lust and resolve every culture evolved some do's and don'ts for peace in society and with the evolution of justice systems some don'ts have become punishable crimes criminal jurisprudence requires both intention and execution to be present in a crime intention is the thought behind the crime and execution the physical side proof of both components is essential to convict any person of a crime if we take the intention as sankalp which is resolve or will or purpose and execution as kaam or desire we can understand krishna saying he whose pursuits are free from kaam and sankalp whose actions are burnt by the fire of knowledge him the wise call a pandit or sage society in general is satisfied as long as there is no criminal action even if one is roaming about full of criminal intent krishna says that we should drop calm first and subsequently should even drop sankalp 
dropping desire can happen because of various reasons like fear of law lack of resources or to maintain one's reputation but sankalp is much deeper and as long as it survives there is always a chance that it gets converted into desire at a weak moment that is why krishna tells us to drop not only the desire but also the sankalp which is the driver of desires we are repeatedly told since childhood that we should have the determination and desire to achieve academic economic as well as personal growth thus making our progress difficult towards understanding this existential truth the point to be noted is that desire is desire whether noble or ignoble when calm and sankalp are dropped one attains nischal samadhi which is freedom from attachment fear and anger actions arising out of such a state are bound to be burnt and purified by this very awareness next in the series is ever content ever content a hungry fox tried to reach for grapes hanging high above failed and moved on bringing itself to think that the grapes were so this familiar story presents several angles on the issue of handling disappointment contentment and happiness contemporary psychology talks about synthesizing happiness as one of the functions of the human brain to help us move out of difficult situations the fox did exactly this by satisfying itself that the grapes were so and moved on in the context of contentment krishna goes beyond synthesizing happiness and says that having renounced attachment to fruits of action the ever content depends on nothing he doesn't do anything though he is engaged in action contentment with self is one of the common threads in the gita and on many occasions krishna advises arjun to be atmavan or atmatrupt which is essentially contented with self atmavan spreads the fragrance of contentment under any circumstances he is in earlier krishna talked about karma and akarma where he mentioned that even the wise get confused in 
handling these intricate issues in the present verse he gives glimpses of akarma in karma when he says that an ever content doesn't do anything though he is engaged in action our present chase is to be different from what we are today to be someone else and interestingly that someone again wants to be someone else the story is the same in the chase of pleasures and possessions where the goal posts shift constantly when the realization dawns that all the chases of pleasures and possessions are nothing but chasing of mirages and that the chases made us sick and tired we slowly start dropping the desire for karmphal to become ever content with the self it's like being a child who is just happy and laughs for no reason next in the series is facets of sin facets of sin the question of vikarma prohibited action or sin is very intriguing arjun is also in this very dilemma and says that sin alone will occur by killing relations in battle in fact cultures have defined various karmas or actions as sins and the list changes with time in the modern context countries have their penal codes which mandate some actions to be crimes or sins and thus punishable when committed in any case we keep punishing ourselves through guilt regret and shame when such perceived sins are performed by us in this context krishna says that one hoping for not with controlled mind and body having relinquished all possessions doing mere bodily actions incurs no sin krishna earlier talked about sin and told arjun to treat pleasure and pain profit and loss victory and defeat alike and do battle whereby he would not incur any sin the subtle issue to be understood in evaluating sin is that we normally evaluate it based on actions performed by us in the physical world whereas for krishna it is the inner phenomenon whatever flows out of us is the result of our state of mind and krishna asks us to exercise control there 
at a philosophical level this raises many doubts in us but at an experiential level one attains clarity krishna further says that content with whatever is got answered raising above the pairs of dualities are dvandvatit free from envy equanimous in success and failure though acting he is not bound in fact this verse can be said to be a microcosm of the gita containing all the teachings given in the gita at various places krishna tells us to attain dvandvatit and use the divisive mind for mere bodily actions and nothing beyond that next in the series is liberating oneself liberating oneself in the gita some words like anasakti and vitrag represent the crux of the gita while asakti are attachment and virakti are detachment are two polarities anasakti transcends these polarities similarly vitrag is neither rag fondness nor virag aversion but transcends both these polarities are nothing but the radiance of ahankar and once dropped one transcends all polarities this stage is nothing but liberation in this context krishna says one who is liberated devoid of attachment with mind established in knowledge and acting for agna his whole action is dissolved i is identification with our positions friends and enemies likes and dislikes and thoughts and feelings dropping them brings temporary emptiness leading to pain fear anger and resentment therefore dropping the i is no easy task interestingly the need is to drop the sense of ownership identification and doership but not relationships things are people liberation arrives once we are aware of this fine difference all selfless actions flowing from a person who has dropped the i is nothing but agna the literal meaning of agna is a fire ritual where offerings are made to the fire here it is used as a metaphor for sacrifice or give and take 
we make offerings to the fire that in turn returns warmth which is essential to life for purposes ranging from cooking keeping water in liquid form and maintaining the body temperature the working of the human body is like a agna where one organ gives and another takes and they are all interdependent krishna hence says the act of offering the oblation the fire the executor all are brahman supreme god and even the destination or results attained are also brahman this is the oneness which one attains on dropping ahankar next in the series is sacrificing sacrifice sacrificing sacrifice yagna symbolizes sacrifice or selfless actions in this context krishna says some yogis perform sacrifice to gods others perform sacrifice by offering sacrifice itself in the fire of brahman supreme god for one living without awareness living is just gathering and preserving the next higher stage of living is sacrificing things thoughts and feelings it's like sacrificing the seeds of ahankar into the fire rather than letting them multiply on the fertile soil of the mind the third stage is sacrificing the sacrifice itself realizing that all of them are brahman it can be said that the mind oriented karma yogi keeps looking for action and doing sacrifice is the path for him the intellect oriented gyan yogi is about pure awareness and he sacrifices the sacrifice itself while the former is sequential the later is an exponential or quantum jump but rare however both paths lead to the same destination krishna explains this reality in the context of senses and says that certain devotees offer as oblations in the fire of inner control their powers of hearing and other senses others offer sound and other sense objects as sacrifice in the fire of senses in a sense the paths of sacrifice and sacrificing the sacrifice krishna explains the relationship between senses 
and sense objects many times the prominent explanation is sense organs naturally experience rag fondness and dvesh aversion for their respective sense objects one should be aware of this duality through specific effort the karma yogi breaks the bridge between the senses and sense objects which is the sacrifice mentioned in the first part the second part is for a gyan yogi who sacrifices the entire process to be just a sakshi through awareness in both situations the destination is transcending the polarities next in the series is study of self study of self having fire in the belly means being full of energy and enthusiasm for pursuing one's desires interests and duties in the physical world when such energy is used for self actualization it is called yogagni or the yogic flame in this context krishna says that some offer all their sense activities and the functions of life force as oblations in the wisdom kindled yogic flame of inner control of self in day to day life we offer sense objects like beautiful flowers and tasty food to the parmatma this verse takes us beyond this and says that yagna or selfless action is offering sense activities like taste beauty or smell themselves and not merely sense objects senses keep connecting us to the external world through attachment to sense objects and when these senses are sacrificed what remains is unity with oneness krishna further says that other devotees offer as oblations wealth self discipline and the methods of yoga while other individuals self controlled and keeping strict vows offer as sacrifices the study of self and the acquirement of scriptural wisdom krishna mentioned swadhyay or study of self as one of the yagna this process led to the birth of many subjects like psychology medicine and contemporary self help classics since childhood we are constantly labeled on factors acquired at birth like nationality caste or religion and we spend the rest of our lives defending these labels
this labeling involves a lot of suppression or violence at a very young age similarly the labeling happens based on characteristics like intelligent or dumb hard working or lazy and the list goes on similarly we form opinions about ourselves and others based on numerous factors and spend energy defending the same swa adhyay is examining these labels as agna and shedding them next in the series is joy through breath joy through breath some activities in the human body like the beating of the heart are automatic though they may follow a set rhythm while some activities like the limbic system can be controlled but breathing is unique as it is both automatic and can be controlled in the context of agna of selfless action and breathing krishna says some offer prana incoming breath into apana outgoing breath and apana into prana as sacrifice some are absorbed in pranayama by restraining the courses of prana and apana the duration and depth of the breath indicate the state of mind for example when we are angry our breath automatically becomes fast and shallow on the contrary by making our breath slow and deep we can control our anger this implies that by controlling the breath one can control the mind which gave rise to many techniques of meditation and pranayama while explaining 112 meditation techniques to parvati lord shiva mentions about 16 techniques that are purely based on breath in the contemporary world we have numerous meditation techniques based on observing and subsequently controlling the breath it is essentially the art of observation and mastering this art is easy by engaging the ever wandering mind with incoming and outgoing breaths which will make us stable this art can be subsequently used to observe thoughts and feelings as observation and feelings thoughts lust don't go hand in hand finally this leads to what is known as observer becoming observed 
akin to sacrificing sacrifice pranayama literally means control of breath and is practiced through various techniques like kapalbhati prana means life energy like flowering or sprouting which continuously flows through us pranayama is streamlining that energy for harmony or resonance for joyful living and the lack of this harmony is nothing but hesitation fear and tension next in the series is nectar of contentment nectar of contentment krishna talked about agna or selfless actions at two places in the bhagavad gita he cautions that motivated actions bind us which is karma bandhan and advises action to be performed without attachment he further indicates that the selfless action of agna holds the supreme power and in the beginning using this power the creator created he gave many instances of agna and concludes that all of them are offsprings of actions and this realization would liberate us this is lord's assurance on liberation furthermore about sin krishna indicated that action arising out of an imbalance between polarities of pleasure pain profit loss victory defeat is the sin that results in karma bandhan of perpetual guilt regret grudges and hatred he further said one hoping for nothing and doing mere bodily actions incurs no sin he concludes that by sacrifice of attachment the nors have destroyed sins this is an assurance from the lord about the destruction of sins in agna krishna earlier declared that we have a right over karma but not over karma phal fruits of action here he reveals a secret that the remnant of selfless action of agna is the nectar of brahman supreme god the subtle indication is that whatever we are ever blessed with is a result of the selfless actions we perform consciously or unconsciously another inference is that if we take contentment as the parameter 
the rich become richer and the poor poorer this is an assurance from the lord about the nectar of contentment from yagna it is the motivation that makes an action a sin and when the same action is performed like agna it becomes virtue which is nothing but the nectar of liberation and contentment next in the series is art of learning art of learning the ability to learn throughout life is a human endowment the fundamental question is how to learn and what to learn krishna says know that by prostration questioning and service the wise who have realized the truth will teach you the knowledge prostration is humility humbleness willingness to understand others points of view and open mindedness which is an indication of overcoming our ahankara questioning is a kind of feedback loop of electronic circuits where we question everything of what we say and do till questions drop service is compassion the next question is who is realized our guru and how to find them in shrimad bhagavatam krishna refers to a wise man who says that he has 24 gurus and learnt pardoning from the earth innocence from a child detachment from air avoid hoarding from honey bees equanimity from the sun traps of senses from fish and the list goes on this implies that guru is just around as long as the three qualities for learning are present within us krishna clarifies about what to learn when he says knowing which you shall not again get deluded thus by which you will see all beings in the self also me this verse is also quoted as know that by knowing which nothing is left to know certainly it is not reading all the books of the world krishna makes it simple when he says it is that by which we will see all beings and the lord in ourselves we tend to glorify the good in us and the 
fault in others this verse says that in the same vein we should realize that we too have those faults in us and others too are good finally it's the lord everywhere once this simple thing is realized there is no scope for delusion next in the series is raft of wisdom for sea of sin raft of wisdom for sea of sin arjun's despondency during the kurukshetra war is due to his feeling that he is committing a sin he feels that killing one's teachers relatives and friends is nothing but sin and that we should turn away from such sinful action he is even more perturbed by the fact that he and his brothers were preparing to kill their own brethren out of greed for the kingdom krishna repeatedly speaks to arjun about sin at various times to put things in perspective krishna says even if you are the most sinful of sinners you shall safely cross the sea of sin by the raft of wisdom just as a blazing flame reduces firewood to ashes the fire of wisdom reduces all actions to ashes for krishna sin is like darkness which is dispelled by the light of wisdom and awareness the darkness may have been there for a long time or it could be pitch dark but the light instantaneously dispels it however this is contrary to religious preachings dealing with actions thoughts and feelings which are labeled as sins and pain polarity is attributed to them religions preach penance for sins both in terms of quantity and quality through various practices and rituals to obtain pleasure polarity by getting rid of the sins depending on whether sins are simple or deep penance varies if it is committed over a long period greater repentance and remorse is required but for krishna the length and depth of sin don't matter one only needs to know that by which we will see all beings in the self and also the lord while religions thrive on our guilt of 
committing sins spirituality is about gratitude and awareness that sins and virtues are part of the same oneness next in the series is wisdom is in the self wisdom is in the self once the creator was thinking about where to conceal that wisdom after attaining which nothing is left to be attained his wife suggests a high mountain or a deep sea but both were discarded as man can climb or swim it was then decided to keep this wisdom inside man while man searches for it outside for lifetimes this metaphor makes it easy for us to understand when krishna says certainly nothing in this world is as sanctifying as wisdom in due course of time he who perfected in yoga finds it in the self the essence is that wisdom is in the self and by the same measure everyone has it it's just the question of realizing it both in the self and others krishna further says shraddhavan one with shraddha and jitendriya one who one senses obtain wisdom leading to parama shanti supreme peace krishna gives contrast and says the ignorant devoid of shraddha is ruined and there is no happiness for him in this world or other shraddha is a common thread in the gita devotion trust or positive thinking are its closest meanings krishna talks about shraddha at many places and encourages arjun to be shraddhavan shraddha is not a ritual to get the fruits of action of our choice but inner strength to accept with gratitude that whatever comes our way is the best thing that could have happened to us in the given circumstances however adverse it might be realizing that we can't have separate desires than of existence making senses subservient is an integral part of the gita krishna elsewhere compares senses with wild horses and tells us to control them like a trainer who rides horses by understanding them certainly it is understanding but not suppression 
Next in the series is Sword of Wisdom. Sword of Wisdom. Krishna says, he who has relinquished work by yoga and has torn apart his doubts by wisdom becomes poised in the self actions don't bind him therefore take shelter in yoga by cutting this ignorance born doubt dwelling in your heart with the sword of wisdom krishna advises us to use this sword of wisdom to free ourselves from the bondage of action which is karma bandhan regret is the name of karma bandhan suffered by us for both executed and unexecuted actions which result in the damage of things or relationships similarly blame is the name of karma bandhan for actions or inactions of others affecting our lives negatively the sword of wisdom is the only instrument that helps us extricate ourselves from the complex web of regret and blame the fourth chapter of the gita is called gnana karma sanyasa yoga it starts with how parmatma performs karmas and goes on to tell us that all karmas should be performed like yagna of selfless actions then krishna brings the aspect of wisdom when he says that all actions so performed without exception culminate in wisdom in the title agnana stands for wisdom or awareness and sanyasa being renunciation this indicates that renunciation is doing karma with awareness renunciation is not the path of escape or shirking responsibility by giving up worldly things or professions for krishna renunciation is doing our karmas that are handed over to us by existence with awareness and wisdom to the best of our ability in fact there is no real escape as the wisdom required for peace is within us waiting to be discovered when we are filled with awareness and wisdom even hell becomes heaven conversely an ignorant mind can also turn heaven into hell the key is inner transformation next in the series is to perform 
are renounced.